Hello, welcome to the Loney Show. I'm your host, John Maloney, and in this episode, we have a guest. He's from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He's a songwriter, entrepreneur, and Amazon best-selling author. Now, he has been going around tours. He has his own music business. He's, he's also, did I mention he's an entrepreneur? But anyway, that's all, that's all that can be said about him because he's been going, he's gone, he's gone on quite a journey. And I'm pretty proud of him. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dave Combs. Well, thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more about you and your show and telling you and your listeners more about me and my journey with my music. Great. So, how's life? Well, <laughs> well, for the last two years... I think we can all answer that question as pretty confined and we're ready to get that behind us. So let's move on to some uh, more freer times where we don't have to worry about being uh, sequestered with COVID and all that kind of thing. But, but I, my, I and my wife are doing fine. We knock on wood have neither of us con contracted COVID and uh, we're basically kind of socially distancing ourselves, uh, staying mostly at home, but, uh, with technology these days, you can do just about anything you need to do with the internet of, from home. So that's what we're doing. Great. Great answer. Absolutely fabulous. So first question, um, what, what made you got started doing music? What was your inspiration? Well, John, uh, like a lot of people, I was born into a musical family. My mother and father both were musical. My, they both played the piano. My father uh, played the piano mostly by ear, if you know what I mean. He, he could read a little bit of music, but mostly he just played out of his head. And uh, his mother, my grandmother Combs, she was a fabulous musician. She was only about four foot eight tall. But boy, she could make some music. Her favorite instrument was an old-timey instrument called an auto harp. It was a stringed instrument that you played in your lap kind of thing with chords. But she also played an old instrument, and I have one of them sitting over here to my right. It's an antique now, but it was called a pump organ. This is before they even had electricity. They had musical instruments that you, you literally pump the air with your feet, and then this the organ, you could play it. And But she could play and really make that organ and auto harp talk. And so I, I grew up around music all my life. And so it's kind of a, a natural thing for me to eventually turn my musical hobby into a full-time career through the, the writing of one song. It started with the writing of one song called Rachel's Song. And we can talk more about that. But yeah, I, I grew up around music all my life. Great, great. And I actually want to know more about Rachel's song. What, what, what got you thinking about writing it? Well, actually, I didn't even really think I was writing a song. Uh, I'm a piano player, and I play just for fun. And, and at the time I wrote Rachel's song, I was working full-time at Western Electric. It's a big company, was a big company in, in the United States. It became AT&T and then Lucent Technologies and so forth. But... Uh, my way of relaxing is to sit down at the piano and just play something. Sometimes I'll get some sheet music out and play that, or I'll turn on the radio. I love to turn on the radio and play along with songs that are there or put on a, a recording and play along with it. But uh, I had an old, a hundred year old 
Kanabe, K-N-A-B-E is the name of the piano. It was built in 1875 and it was a baby grand piano, but it wouldn't hold its tune very well because, you know, it was 100 years old. I guess it's, it was basically <laughs> deserved to be out of tune every now and then. But uh, I would tune it up myself. I have a tuning hammer and I would basically tune it up to at least where it sounded decent. And every time I would tune my old piano, of course, I wanted to sit down and play something pretty while it was sounding in tune. And this particular time, this was in January of 1981, 41 years ago. I sat down at the piano after I'd tuned it and I put my fingers on the keyboard and I started playing. And the tune that I played, I'd never heard before, but it was seemed like a tune that I had heard forever. It was just, it sounded beautiful. It was in the key of C and I just, it, it just, I played it. It had a chorus, a verse and a chorus and I played it again. And so I did that. And then I didn't think much about it because it was just, I played something that sounded good on my freshly tuned piano. Well, a few days later, my wife, Linda came home from work and she said, uh, what is the name of this song that I've had stuck in, <clears throat> excuse me, stuck in my head all day long? You know how you get it. I think they call it an earworm where you, you get a song hung in your head and you just can't get it out. So she says, what is the name of this song? You play it all, all the time on the piano. I said, well, it doesn't have a name. And she says, well, wh what? You play it all the time. I said, it's just something I made up. Well, she got all excited and said, uh, well, Dave, have you written it down? I said, well, no, I've got it in my head here. And she said, well, you know, you get, you might get run over by a truck or something and we, that song would be gone forever. So I wrote it down. And, and so that was in January of 1981. And then a couple of years later, some good friends of ours had a little baby girl named Rachel and they asked Linda and me to be her godparents. Of course we said yes. And so we, we went to the christening service and at the christening service, uh, there was a grand piano up at the front of the church, and uh, it caught my eye as we went into the church. And after the formal service was over, uh, I, I looked at Linda and I, I whispered to her, do you think that uh, I could play this song that I've been playing now and, and uh, they would, for the, the family and for the little girl? And she said, yeah. So I went up and asked the family if it'd be okay if I played a special song for little Rachel. So I went to the piano and I sat down and I, I started playing this song. And about halfway through the song, I hear the sniffles, you know, obviously people are getting emotional about this. And, and quite frankly, I had some tears running down my cheeks. And so when I finished that song, I looked over to little Rachel in the arms of her mother. And I said, from now on, this song will be called Rachel's song and John that's how it got its name and it just seemed the perfect fit and it's just been now it's been played millions of times around the world and more babies have been born to this song and people gotten married to it and with that Valentine's Day coming up here on Monday next week uh, the people have had romantic relations uh, formed around this song and so it's just got a life of its own and so that was the beginning of my musical journey with uh, recording and writing music. Great, incredible. And uh, have you created a bit of a music career out of it ever since? 
Yes. Uh, following that, of course, and I got it played on the radio, uh, which uh, was a, another interesting story. But as soon as it got played on the radio, the uh, the phones at the radio station just lit up. People were calling in saying, what is the name of that song you just played? Uh, would you play that again and tell me more about this guy, Dave Combs from Winston-Salem? And so it, the Rachel song really was accepted really well by the radio audience and so I thought wow this is amazing so I got busy and I contacted radio stations all over the country and through them and through some programming people uh, got it played on every easy listening radio station in the United States and I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't sneak over into the United Kingdom somewhere at the same time I know it, it did go to Australia and it became a number one requested song in the country of Australia for two years. But uh, that song basically got me started into thinking about, well, if this song has this much appeal, now you gotta remember, I'm, I'm an MBA. I have an MBA from Wake Forest University here in North Carolina, and I'm a business person, I'm an entrepreneur. I I've always thought like an entrepreneur, thinking about, well, how can I monetize this idea or that idea? Well, I knew when, you know, when you have hundreds of people saying, boy, I want more of that music, the light bulb goes off and says, aha, this is something that I could, I should pursue. And so sure enough, I started writing more songs and I wrote enough for a, a complete album. I recorded my first album of music in that, by 1988. And then that was the CD of, and cassette tape back then of Rachel's song and, and some other songs I'd written. And then I thought, well, how do you, how do you sell your music? Well, I don't know whether you remember or not, but uh, over here we used to have something we called record stores. And I don't know, I guess in the United Kingdom, they probably had record stores too. Oh, well, they, they, were, they, they were a big deal back then. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, you thought, well, these people are gonna just love my music. I'm gonna walk in there and they're gonna just hug my neck and say, oh, Dave, I'm so glad you brought that song for us and this. Well, <laughs> it didn't exactly happen that way. It, uh, I'd go in and talk to them and they'd say, hmm, instrumental. They even called it elevator music and they were, they were kind of disparaging of the music. And so I thought, wow, these people don't understand this. People that hear this song love it, and yet they don't want to even carry it. So I got really disappointed, and I thought, wow, there's got to be a better way to do this. Well, <laughs> I was working at Western Electric AT&T at the time, and a lady that I worked with had a friend who owned a gift shop. Now, I know you where you are, you, you have loads of gift shops that you've been in where you, you walk in the door, and it smells good, it looks good. And quite often, they would be playing soothing, relaxing, pretty instrumental music, whether it's piano or flute or harp or something, instrumental pretty. And so I thought, wow, now that is the perfect environment for my kind of music. Well, this lady that I worked with, she says, I got a friend that owns a gift shop in, in Old Town, Alexandria in near Washington, D.C. She said, can I give her a CD of Rachel's song for her to play in her shop? The name of her shop was called America, and she sold patriotic kind of things. You know, John Philip Sousa music and, you know, very patriotic kind of stuff. <laughs> funny thing was, well, when she got the CD and played it, uh, funny thing happened. Everybody in the shop would stop where they are when that Rachel song came on and say, wow, what is that? And then they'd go over to the counter and 
asked uh, the owner, do you have that for sale? Well, she didn't. She was just playing it. So I get a phone call from the lady, Jane, that owned the store. And she says, Dave, <laughs> you've got to sell me some CDs and tapes of Rachel's song. Everybody wants to buy it. So I said, okay. So I, Linda and I jumped in the car that evening and I took her a box of CDs of Rachel's song. And so I thought, okay, well, this, we'll see how this works. About a week, or actually less than a week, Jane calls me back and says, Dave, those are all gone. I need some more. So, you know, John, I made a trip to Old Town Alexandria at least once a week for over a year, taking her a shipment of CDs of my music. And she sold a boatload of my music through that one little gift shop. And the, being an entrepreneur, uh, and the, one of the principles of an entrepreneurship is you find a business model that works on a small scale and then you just duplicate it. So I said, well, I'm, I have made myself, myself a spreadsheet. This was back in the eighties when we, this was even before the internet, but I was an IT kind of person. And I, so I, we had something that didn't, we didn't call it a spreadsheet, but it was a, that's what it was. I made a column and I've put all the information in there about my music for Rachel's song in that one gift shop how much it cost me, how many I sold it for, how much money I made and so forth, how much she sold. And I looked at the net profit at the bottom or the gross profit. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if we had one gift shop like that in, the, in every state in the United States. Well, that would be 50 gift shops. So all right, I made me another column. Column two is, or column B, is column one times 50. So all those numbers add up, hmm, well, now that gross profit's looking a little better. Hmm. Oh, I wonder if we had just five, let's just say five gift shops in every state. So on our column C is column one times uh, 250. I'm sorry, uh, five, five times 50 would be 250 uh, gift shops in the whole country. Well, I looked at the bottom of that and I said, Linda, look at here. This is more money than I'm making at AT&T and then some. <laughs> so I said, okay, I know what I got to do. I got to find more gift shops like this one that's doing so well. So we got busy. We went, uh, we went out to all the little tourist towns we knew about around and on a Saturday, because we were still both working. So on the weekend, we'd go around and pop in all these little gift shops. And I I'd stick my head in the door and I just sit, stand there and listen. Yeah, either I heard music or I didn't. And if I heard some music playing, I'd make my way to find out and talk to the owner or the manager of the shop and say, here, uh, I, I have some music that I think you'd like to play for your customers. May I leave you a, or give you a CD of Rachel's song for you to play in your shop? And then if you like it and your customers like it, let me know and we can do some business. Well, I did that every weekend, and you know, after about you know, a month or two, we I had over 20 gift shop customers that were buying and selling and playing my music in their shops. Well, I, I ran out of places within driving distance <laughs> to go to go prospecting, and then I uh, decided that I can do this by phone. So let me try calling gift shops. But at the time, I didn't know which, who to call or where. So I went to, back then we had phone books and in the phone book in the back of it, we had something called yellow pages, which were the business listings. And there was a listing for gift shops. So I'd go make Xerox copies of the gift shops in all these towns. And then on the weekend, 
I'd call them and ask them, you know, if they played music in that, did they sell any music cassette tapes or CDs of the music that they played? And they'd either say, no, we don't sell music, in which case I just hang up. And if they did say they played music, I'd say, well, do you sell it? They either say yes or no. But anyway, I'd, I'd ask them, could I send you some of my music to consider playing in your shop? And I did that uh, all day Saturday and part of the day Sunday, uh, prospecting through the, the phone for gift shops. And at the end of the day, I would have maybe 50 or 60 gift shops that I'd said, yeah, you can send me something. And I'd send them a package. And lo and behold, almost all of them would call me back and say, yep, they love it. Send me, send me some. And so I essentially grew my business from that first one gift shop to over a thousand gift shops all across the United States selling and playing my music. And by 1992, my business had grown to the point where I was able to quit my job at AT AT&T with my boss's blessing. He understood what I was doing and he, uh, I quit my job and did nothing but my music then for the next 10 years. Linda and I both were able to make a really good living and I hired an employee to help me. And I ended up with 15 albums of soothing, relaxing instrumental music that I sold through gift shops all over the country. Wow. I'm absolutely blown away by this. That is a, that is a, most of it that's quite the motivational story that is yeah it's great love it keep keep doing what you're doing i absolutely love it great well it's it's you know the whole world has changed though now we don't do much so much so cassettes have gone away a long time ago cds are going away pretty much and now we're in the world of downloads and streaming over the internet and i have my my music is available on all of the streaming uh, places, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, a- Apple Music, you name it, Amazon, and all those places. And it's also available, still available in CD from Amazon.com. Or, and, uh, but a lot of it is uh, uh, downloads, uh, still some, some downloads, but mostly streaming. And uh, I guess that's the way of the future is, is streaming my music. You can find my music at just go uh, like put, for example, in Rachel's song. And the artist that I use is Gary Prim. There's no, I'll tell you more about him if you like sometime about Gary Prim, how I got connected with him as an artist in Nashville, Tennessee. But Gary Prim is the artist. P-R-I-M is his last name. And uh, just do a search on Rachel song, Gary Pram, and you'll find me all over the place. And all of that led up to last year, I ended up writing a book about all this journey called uh, Touched by the Music, How the Story and Music of Rachel's Song Can Change Your Life. I had heard from over 50,000 people, John, about my music. Uh, People that got the music were so touched by it that they went to the trouble. Sorry, could you say that again? I, I couldn't hear what you said. My watch is talking to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh my! I, I forgot that sucker. So let me do that. Anyhow, so uh, where was I? Um, yeah, I heard from over fifty thousand pe- people that took the time to look, track, track me down, and write me a letter, telling me how they, their, my music touched them, whether it was in a very 
intimate way of, you know, at a family a marriage or a funeral or a, a, a birth of a baby or that kind of thing, or just purely telling me how much my music had touched their heart and soul through just sitting and listening. And John, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate if you, if you sit down and, and you like today, you probably have to put headphones on to get to, to get the rest of the world silenced out of it, but you need to be in an environment where you sit and just listen to the music, let it come through, through your being. And music is very powerful and it can touch you in, in a lots of deep, very deep ways and, and really touch your soul. And these people wrote to me with all these letters and notes. And before the uh, pandemic, Linda and I had decided that we needed to take these 50,000 letters and turn that into a book telling the story of music and how it's touched people's lives. And so I did that. And my book, Touched by the Music, is on Amazon.com. It's been a bestseller. And I would encourage your listeners to look me up on either Amazon. It's actually available anywhere books are sold at, uh, in, around the world. Um, so please look my book up, look my music up. And, and, and also I still, I still love hearing from people. They can, they can write to me at Dave at combsmusic.com and I read them all and I answer them all. So it's a, it's a wonderful connection between me and my music and people, even people I, I, I don't know, but sometimes we feel a, a really good connection that way. Great. Love it. Now, I've heard that you've got over 10,000 letters from an article that you wrote in Guidepost magazine. Can you yeah. explain more about that? Yeah, that, that was really, this was really kind of early on before I really realized the, the power of publicity and, and, and how much an article or what, what a, either it's, it could be a, a broadcast. Nowadays, it could be a podcast. But uh, uh, back then, uh, there's this magazine. I don't know whether you're familiar with it or not. Uh, in the United States, it's called Guideposts Magazine. It has a circulation of about 3 million people. And it's a, it was a hard copy, little, little booklet that, that got ordered. And it, they, you'd find it on the table at doctor's offices. And people subscribed to it. And it was one of those little magazines with feel-good stories that nobody ever threw it away. I mean, they just couldn't bring themselves to throw this book full of great stories in the trash. So anyhow, I, uh, I got a phone call from one of my fans one day, and, and her name is Roberta Messner, M-E-S-S-N-E-R, and, and uh, you can look her up later. But uh, Roberta called me because she wanted to tell me how much my music had helped her through the healing process. She had a very serious disease that was very, very painful and involved lots of surgeries and whatever. And she wanted to tell me how much Rachel's song had soothed her through this uh, painful process. And then she was a very curious person. She asked me about it, how, like you did, about how did I write Rachel's song and so forth. And uh, so I, I told her that story. And then uh, she said, well, I am a writer for Guidepost Magazine. I said, really? And she says, I love your story, and I want to pitch your story to Guidepost, see if they'll uh, publish it. So I said, okay. So we arranged for some interview times over the phone where she could get her whereabouts to put the story together. And so she did. And then uh, she called me back after a little bit and said, Dave, the editors at Guidepost want to publish this story. I said, oh, that's great. 
So she said she sent it off. And then uh, I didn't think a whole lot more about it until uh, I think it was about May or June of that year. I get a phone call from Guidepost. And so the editor, he says, uh, Dave, uh, can you send us some photographs of you at the piano and you and your wife or whatever that we could use in, in the magazine for this article? I said, well, sure. So I didn't even hire a, a, a actual professional photographer. I got Linda took a picture of me at the piano and, and I set up a tripod out in the yard with me and Linda and holding our kitty cat uh, and took a picture and sent those off to guideposts. And then that, that was like that part early in the summer. Well, that September was when the issue hit the street. And John, I could tell you to the day, practically to the minute when that magazine hit the street, because in the back of the magazine, they had fortunately put my name and address and, and phone number and how to get a hold of me. And uh, so I, uh, people had read this article. And as soon as that magazine hit the street, they, they came in and started calling me. And so the phone started ringing and you'd pick the phone up and, and talk to somebody. They wanted to, to order one of those cassettes or, or CDs of Rachel's song. And, they'd, and so and as soon as you hung up, it'd ring again. I had to hire two people just to help me answer the phone. I mean, it was constant, constant ringing. And then the funniest thing happened a couple of days later, my mailman rings the doorbell and I go to the door and he's standing there and he, and I notice he's standing there with this big old gray canvas bag that probably weighed maybe 50 pounds full of mail. And he said, he looks at me and he says, Dave, what in the world have you done? <laughs> and he said, this bag is full of mail to, for you at Combs Music. And so that happened about two or three days in a row. And I got over 10,000 letters from that little article in Guidepost magazine in less than two weeks. I'm telling you that was that would talk about an eye opener of the value and power of publicity. My goodness. So that's the story of the, the Guidepost magazine and my 10,000 letters. And almost every letter had a $10 check or some of them you had a $10 bill stuck in there. So that's the Guidepost story. Incredible. Amazing. Now, throughout your entire music career, have you got on tour and just performed to a live audience? Well, uh, it, I have performed rarely for a live audience because I am mainly a composer, a songwriter. Uh, I write the music and then I send them to Gary Prim in Nashville. He's the studio musician that you'll hear playing on all my recordings. Uh, however, uh, Rachel's song had become so popular that uh, the one time I did have a public appearance was I got a phone call from the station manager of KEZK Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. And I answered the phone. I, I was at work, actually. He called me and he says, Dave, I'm the station manager here. And every year we run a contest that says asks, asks our radio audience, what, who are their favorite uh, performers? Who would the, If we had a concert, and uh, who would you like to hear perform? The, the music and said, uh, we have run this contest and uh, you are one of the five selected artists and songwriters for this uh, station. I said, really? I said, wow. Who are the other four? He says, well, you've probably heard of the Letterman, Don McLean, uh, 
George Benson, and let's see, who was the fourth one? Uh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute. But anyway, there were four big names and me. And I thought, wow, I am really, uh, this is spectacular. So he, they invited me, they wanted to fly me and my wife out to St. Louis for this special concert out in an open air uh, uh, concert field of park. And he said, we're expecting a lot of people. And so I, they flew us out there and I, I, I got to perform Rachel's song. I was the first on the program. And then right the next group behind me was the Letterman. But I remember getting up on that stage and looking out and, you know, there was t over 26,000 people showed up for this free concert. People came from all over. And then they had an autograph tent set up next to the, to the stage for me to sign autographs. And I'd sent them a bunch of my CDs and tapes. And I stood there and signed autographs for four hours until I got, it was, I forgot to put on sunscreen and wear a hat. I got a terrible sunburn because everybody wanted to take my, their picture with me and and talk with me so I signed autographs for four hours and people had driven from hundreds of miles away just to hear me play my music I was so blown away and that was that was the largest and probably <laughs> the only time that I'll play for that size of an audience uh, live anyway and uh, but that was that was a real eye-opening and inspiring experience and I'd, I've done small programs, you know, in churches or uh, civic groups and that kind of thing. But by and large, I do the composing and let Gary Prim do the playing and arranging in the studio. So uh, I'm not really a touring artist, uh, but I, I basically write music and provide it to folks. And I have piano sheet music books. So many piano people that play the piano hear my music and say, well, I want to play that, too. So I trans had my, all of my music that I've written transcribed note for note so that somebody can buy one of my books or download my music off of Sheet Music Plus. And it's the exact notes that Gary Prim played in the studio. So they can play right along with the recordings. And uh, so that's, that's my history of, of performing my music. Great. And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you here. I had no idea you had that big of an influence in music back then. It was great. It's great hearing what you've gone through. It's quite mesmerizing. Well, I invite people to please visit my website. It just It's combsmusic, C-O-M-B-S music.com. And check my music out and my book on amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And and let me hear from you. I, I would love to hear from you. And I hope that you'll get my book and my music. And I hope my music will touch you as well. Great. G love to hear it. Until next time, stay tuned for more. This episode of The Lonely Show is brought to you by Matchmaker.fm. Matchmaker is a platform where users can search up and buck in with podcasting shows to do ad swaps, content collaborations, and make guest appearances. Now, as someone who just started making a podcast and want to look for guests or do some form of content collaboration, this is the platform I highly suggest to any of those people. And if you do want to be in the next episode of The Learning Show, all you got to do is go online to matchmaker.fm Search up The Alone Show, send me a direct message, and yeah, just 
leave the rest to me. So what are you waiting for? Go online, make your very own guest profile today at matchmaker.fm.